Good to see everybody. Jeremiah chapter 18. There's something on my heart. Y'all too tired for a word? Are you ready? You want everything God got for you today? Yeah. Welcome to a Sunday revival. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number one. Something on my heart I want to share. I got a few things to talk about. Hopefully I'll get to mention them at the end, but I want to go right into this message. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse number one says this. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house. And there I will give you my message. So I went down, Jeremiah said, to the potter's house, and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hands. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord. Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. We're in this series called Christianish. I think today is part four. Next week is part five. It's Labor Day weekend, so it's all white weekend. We're all white like first Sunday at the Baptist church. Except for you don't have to wear skirts and hats. Let's, let's have an all-white weekend next weekend like we're going to a Frankie Beverly Mays concert. Huh? Yep. Ne next, next week we're going to go to part five, and I'm going to be talking to you about a recipe for right relationships. Because some of us are Christianish in our choosing. How you picking? Today, part four. I want to talk from this subject in our time together. Don't miss the point. Don't miss the point. In my estimation, one of the most profound charismatic Christian thinkers of a generation, Dr. Miles Monroe, he's quoted as saying, when purpose is misunderstood, abuse is inevitable. In other words, you will always intentionally or unintentionally mismanage what you misunderstand. This is why the enemy aggressively attempts to get us as believers to operate in ignorance. And I want us to be okay with the utilization of the term ignorance to describe certain areas of our life because in one area or another, we all ignorant. It's been used in culture in a condescending way. But the truth of the matter is, it is used in a condescending way because people conflate ignorance and intelligence. Intelligence deals with your capacity to comprehend a thing. Ignorance is simply dealing with the information you have or have not been exposed to. So just because I'm uninformed don't mean I'm unintelligent. It just means once you give me the right information, I'm going to get a revelation that's going to cause a revolution in my life. I'm not dumb. I just don't know everything about everything. Are you hearing what I'm saying now? And so the enemy understands this, and so he aggressively attempts to get us to stay in states where we are either uninformed, because that's one type of ignorance, or misinformed. 
That's another type of ignorance. And the misinformed is more dangerous than the uninformed because at least when you're uninformed, you know you're ignorant. When we are misinformed, we ignorant and arrogant. Arrogant about what we're misinformed on. Some people will argue you under a table and they just as wrong as wrong can be. It's like, how are you this confident and this wrong? He wants us, he wants us to operate in, because he knows whatever I misunderstand, I mismanage. And mismanaging something, watch this, isn't always, watch this, isn't always um, um, wrong utilization of a thing. Mismanagement can also be underutilization of a thing. Watch this. Meaning that when I don't understand what something is, I can take this iPad, right, and I can use this iPad only to send email. That's not wrong management. That's not wrong utilization. But if that's all I use it for, that's underutilization. And sometimes we're underutilizing something <laughs> because we have not been informed with any information or the right information about the capability of that thing and its potential to make a certain type of contribution to our life. And today, as we explore part four of this series, Christianist, as we sit in this sacred space where we are experiencing what we call revival, I think it's important that we do not underutilize God. I'm going to say that one more time. We are trying to be Christian without God. We're trying to overthrow the spirit of heaviness without God. And we're trying to advance in our careers without God. And you're trying to stay married without God. You're trying to choose the right person, not knowing that wolves come in sheep clothing. Not knowing that you can meet people one way in one season, but life changes people in ways you cannot predict. And I don't care how solid somebody is, if you are with somebody long term, you're going to hit a season where you wake up to a stranger and now you got to relearn how to love that person who life has shaped in a different kind of way. You are not that smart to be picking on your own. You need God. And it is easy to hear something like this and because you recognize the importance of God cognitively, you can assume you're practicing it experientially. So I could say, hey, do you know you can't do this? You can't have level three without God. Cognitively, people would say yes. But experientially, would I say, are you living that way? Is there a childlike dependence? Is there, is there a resilient reliability? Is there a passionate pursuit of him? Because you seek what you need. I'm a, I guess I need to say that again. I said you seek what you need. If you lose your keys and you need to get somewhere, you will turn your house upside down trying to find those car keys. I got to get to work and I don't care if I have to unmake my bed. If I just made it up, I don't care if I got to unmake my bed. I don't care if I got to turn cushions in the couch over. I don't care if I got to open every drawer in every cabinet. When I'm looking for something I need, I seek it until I find it. 
Did you hear what I said? And God requires the seek because the seek is what notifies you and reminds you of the need. So he, he, he said, I'm not, I'm not making you seek because I want to be hard to find. I'm making you seek because you need to seek so you can be reminded of how much you need me. Because you're trying to drive without keys. Seek me and you will find me if you seek me with your whole heart. And I came today with my heart burdened from the Holy Spirit to put the seek back in you. Because some of you got swag, but you lost your seek. And you're smart, but you lost your seek. And you're savvy, but you lost your seek. And you see some success, but you lost your seek. And because you lost your seek, you've lost your satisfaction. He say, I'm the only one that give you real satisfaction. Yeah, he says, he says when I told you I'm going to make your cup run over, I'm talking about me. Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, he said in Psalms 23, when I talk about filling your cup till it runs over, I'm not just talking about things. I'm talking about me. I want to fill you with me until I'm running over. Watch this. When something is running over, watch the imagery. It's so full on the inside that it spills over to the outside. I want you to catch this. It is possible to be a functional atheist. You don't have to be an atheist theologically to be an atheist functionally. when there's talk of hustle and grind and no talk of God that is functional atheism because somebody forgot to tell you I don't care how much you till the ground and I don't care how much seed you plant is one thing you can't do you can't make it rain and if you're going to see a harvest and if you're going to see fruit from any effort in your life, I don't care how you market, I don't care how you brand, I don't care how you perfect your skill, God's got to do something somewhere to open a door for you. It is functional atheism. Say, you started a business you ain't even pray over. Say, you birthed something you're not even protecting and covering in prayer. Functional atheism. A form of godliness living according to a moral code life just governed by best practices overestimating the impact of networking you can get in the room but you can't make them like you did you hear what I just said I said, I don't care how many rooms you get in. You can get in a room, but you can't make them like you. It takes God to move on the heart of somebody to make them use their influence and their assets in order to help you.
takes God to say, uh, to, put, to put on somebody's heart where they're like, you know what? I don't normally do this. I, I felt a prophetic unction on that one, let's go. I, no. Somebody that received that, that's getting ready to happen to you. You need to put a praise on that. You getting ready to hear, uh, I don't normally do this. See? If you don't believe it, you're right. I said you are getting ready to hear, uh, I don't normally do this, but... I don't normally do this, but I'm going to do it for you. I don't normally open these doors for anybody, but I'm going to do it for you. I don't normally give this much to people, but I'm going to give it to you. I don't normally loan to people who hadn't been in business three years, but I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it for you. I don't normally let anybody lease this property without a security deposit, but I'm going to do it for you. What you are sitting in right now is a I don't normally do this. A long time ago when we first came in this building right this very property right here I was on the phone with Sandy Sorcy and he said pastor your church we had just got started he said your church does not have enough money in the bank to carry the first month rent but for some reason I feel like I'm just supposed to help you I don't know who this is for but somebody's getting ready to hear I don't normally do this but Whatever your it is, it takes God. It cannot happen without divine intervention. The difference between you and non-believers is they call the intervention a different name. But when you look at the life of anybody who has done anything amazing, there is some unexplainable some unexplainable situation or circumstance that made it possible I don't care if they were a rapper trying to get noticed by another rapper you mean to tell me it's coincidence that they just happen to be listening to the radio when the other rapper was at the radio station and they just happened to be able to get to the radio station before the other rapper left the radio station and it just so happened that the rapper happened to be in a mood that the rapper's willing to listen to somebody else rap y'all not talking to me they calling it luck so Jesus said John, John 3 said unless you born again you can't see the kingdom So until you're born again, it's, it's some stuff that's God that you don't recognize as God. 
Wesley calls it prevenient grace. Slymarker says grace is scandalous. So when I start talking about God and a rapper, y'all can't put that together. Because grace scandalous. Grace is promiscuous. Grace, grace goes to places you don't think it'll go. Grace help people you don't think it'll help. Grace opened doors for people you don't think it should open doors for. John Wesley calls it prevenient grace. It's not just grace for grace sake. It is the grace of God that is leading a person to a season of their life where they have an encounter with God, where they have an, an authentic conversion. God's like, sometimes I don't even care about the thing that grace is producing. <laughs> it's like, I don't even care about the thing. So I don't care about they deal. I'm trying to show them me. And I got to show them me in what matter to them. Because they're going to get to a point that when they get what they thought mattered, they're going to see it don't matter as much. And then they're going to have to spin the block and come back and see me. Say, you got all the money you want? Now come back because you're not happy, are you? You thought you were going to feel more pretty when you got married. You don't. Come see me now. You Come on, talk to me. And there seems to be, there seems to be, Mark, there seems to be an impact on Christian culture that is similar to the impact the printing press had on mainstream culture, where there is the, don't get me wrong now, information is important, people perish without lack of knowledge but there is the improper prioritization of information. And you think that's all you need. Are y'all okay? This is why Christians don't think they need to worship. Because you think all you need is my message. I mean, we are like nervous about missing any part of the word. Why? We smart. It, it just means we don't properly understand. You can't apply it without power. That understanding a thing and applying a thing are not the same thing. You can know every Greek word for forgiveness that exists and still can't forgive if God don't help you. Are y'all hearing what I'm saying? Think about how many Christians are trying to forgive without God. It takes a miracle for you to pardon somebody that hurt you. So you think you just got that much love in your heart without God that they could use you, abuse you, underappreciate you, manipulate you, undervalue you, and you're just going to be like, okay, God bless you. Will the real Christians please stand up? They say, God's got to work a miracle in my heart because there's some people I don't like today. What am I real? I want us to go old school Mississippi church for a minute. Wave your hand in the air and say, help me, Lord, help me. Help me, help me. Because there's some people I need you to help me love. There's some people I need you to help me forgive. There's some people I need you to help me see right. I got a few more minutes. We're trying to forgive without God. You can't do that. 
if God don't help you, you're going to put the offense down today and pick it back up tomorrow. Y'all not talking to me. Some of us thought we had forgiven people till you saw them. I feel realness right here. I'm going to stay right here for a minute. I said some of us thought we had forgiven people until we saw them. Then we saw them. And something on the inside resurrected. And we started having arguments with people we weren't even talking to. You conniving, unappreciative self, just shysty. Thirst, I can't believe I was a fool to spend all this time with you. I'm a nothing but a fool. I'm mad at myself. Your whole mood shifted, nobody even knows. And what I'm trying to get you to see is that is a normal human response. That's the way most humans would feel. So let's stop calling that wrong and call it human. And when you recognize that is your natural human response, now you recognize your need for divine assistance. You will stop trying to use your willpower for that which can only be accomplished with his power. I felt like the Holy Spirit said to me, Darius, I need you to teach this because they're mismanaging me. They underutilizing me. They believe I could save them, but they acting like I can't help them. It's, come on, it's, it's what the Apostle Paul told believers in Galatia. He says, uh, who bewitched you? He says, having began in the spirit, are you now made perfect or becoming mature by the flesh? He says that your salvation in and of itself is divine intervention. And now that you've had the miracle of regeneration, you're trying to live this whole life out with your own willpower. No wonder you're tired. You're trying to forgive on your own, no wonder you're tired. You're trying to love your enemies by yourself, no wonder you're tired. You're trying to keep your own self in perfect peace, no wonder you're tired. I didn't even know you could do that. Because that's not what my Bible says. My Bible says, thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee. So if I keep my mind on him, he keeps my mind in perfect peace. You, you know how to do that. I didn't know you could do that. You, you know how to do that? There's the under utilization of me you know this is this was a tension point for this group I just spent some weeks training through this program I did called Bible U and we got to this <laughs> got a few of them we got to this one point in the program where we start talking about the different roles associated with the different names of God and so it got real tight because all kind of people in the program. So some people are Trinitarian, some people are oneness. And so when, when I move from just systematic theology to practical theology, hey, let's, let's not argue over your oneness doctrine. Do you understand that Jesus and the Holy Ghost don't do the same thing? 
Did you hear what I just said? Yeah, so, so I'm, not, I'm not about to argue with you over Trinitarianism and oneness. I, I, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not about to try to make you see how Trinitarianism is consistent with monotheism. I, I'm not going to argue with you. Paul says the Godhead is a mystery. He's God. So the only terms we can use to describe him are limited in their nature. All of the terms we use to describe him are anthropomorphic terms. So we use human terms to describe a God that's not human because the only language we have is human language. So it's a mystery, but it happened. So I say, I'm not going to argue with you. I know where I land. If you don't want to land there, fine. But as it relates to your tomorrow, do you know that the Son and the Spirit don't do the same thing? And you asking the son to do stuff that he say he don't do. Jesus like, you asking me to do that? I told the disciples I got to go. The disciples wanted me to stay. And I told the disciples, if I don't go, then the next thing you need can't come. He said, I told the disciples who had walked with me for three years. They were mentored by me. They did life by me. They interned with me for three years. And after three years of mentorship with me, when I got ready to leave them, I told them, don't you do no ministry. I don't care how many notes of lessons you got from me. Don't you do a thing. He says, I don't care how much experience you say you have under your belt. Don't you do a thing. I don't care how many blind eyes you saw me open. Don't you do a thing. You need to go to Jerusalem and you need to wait until you get endued with power on high. He says, don't you go do nothing until you get the Holy Ghost. See? He told his own disciples, the spirit is going to do something different than what I do. He says, I'm trying to give you the spirit that empowered me to do what I did. He said, you trying... You're trying to get me to do something that I told you he going to do. When he will come, he will lead and guide you in the altar. He says, I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you as orphans. He says, I'm your teacher. But after, after, after I teach you, you need some more help. Y'all missed it. I'm your teacher, but I'm sending you a helper. Is that what he said? He said, another helper will come. He says, you got teaching, but you need help. You need help implementing what I teach. You need help loving your enemies. You need help keeping me first. You need help praying without ceasing. You need help raising your children. You need help staying on the job. You need help handling hard times. You need help recovering from betrayal. You don't just need a word. You need some help. Somebody open your mouth and say, help. Help, 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 help. I'm trying to stay sane, help me. I'm trying to stay saved, help me. I'm trying to stay strong, help me. I'm trying to stay wise, help me. Help, 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 help me raise these children. Help, 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 help me birth this vision. Help, 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 help me, help me, help me, help me. It feel like a Friday night on a Sunday morning. I feel storefront church. I feel wooden flow church. I feel tambourine church. I feel the power of God in this room. Somebody open your mouth and give it praise.
Y'all not, you're not getting this? A man named David who had all the influence and the affluence and the assistance he needed. He had a whole army at his disposal. But when he got in trouble, he said, I look to the hills. He said, I got an army. I got an army that'll take people out if I give the word. But when I get in trouble, I said, I'm going to look to the hills. From whence coming my help. Because all of them. Five minutes. All of my help. I said all my help. Not some of my help. Not part of my help. Not most of my help. But all my help. I know where my help come from. I know where my help come from. I got my bachelor's from Millsaps. Got my master's from Princeton. Got my doctorate from Fuller. Preached all over the world. But I wake up in the morning and I speak in tongues. And I plead the blood. And I rebuke the devil. Because I know where my help almost done. I'm going to be disciplined with this. I'm almost done. time Todd and I was talking I say Todd I said I want I want you to think about something I said I want you to think about how our parents and grandparents had less of everything but more of what we want we praying wondering if we heard they prayed until heaven opened. Y'all miss. I'ma keep it a buck with you. A lot of times I call my friends and ask them to ask their mama to pray. Say, hey bro, tell your mama to uh, cause I know she know how to. She know how to get one through because the stuff we have access to, she had to get a miracle for. <laughs> they needed a miracle many of them every month. So there was a dependency that was built into their relationship with God. So coming to him with childlike faith and dependency wasn't foreign. 
See, Darius, they've been, they been underutilizing me. There are some things I want to do. What does he want to do, Pastor Darius? I'm done. I'm wrapping up. Here it is. It's in the text. Text says there's a prophet named Jeremiah that God speaks to. And this, I, want, I want you to see now how his life is navigated at the direction of the spirit. But he's a man whose assignment is with words. But his life is navigated and governed at the direction of the spirit. He's literally making life decisions in response to the promptings and the guiding of the spirit. So notice what happens. Text says that the spirit speaks to him and says, I want you to go down to the potter's house and there I'm going to give you my message. Because here it is. Here's the first thing that God is saying. Like, listen, this is, this is what I want to give and my people are underutilizing. And this is what I want to revive in them. First thing is in the text, direction. You need direction for great decisions. What's a great decision? It's when the answer is not black or white. When the answer is black or white, you know what decision to make. When it's right or wrong, you know what decision to make. When it's wise or unwise, you always choose wisdom. But when it's not right or wrong, when it's not necessarily good or bad, when it could go either way with wisdom, what do you do? And most people gamble. They just roll the dice and just make a decision. And God's like, you do know that's the stuff I want to help you with. Should I leave or should I stay? Sometimes that's great. Should I reconcile or not? Sometimes that's great. Should I do this part-time or should I lunch out and do it full-time? Sometimes that's great. Should I stay or should I move? Sometimes that's great. How are you making those kind of decisions? You can't make them without God. If it's right or wrong, I know what to do. If it's good or bad, I know what to do. If it's wise or unwise, I know what to do. But when it's not black and white, I need somebody to tell me where to go. And watch what he said. This, this is what's crazy. Ray, he didn't, he spoke to him. He could have just gave him the message. But he told him where to go to get it. Did you get, it's like, why can't you just tell me right here? Because sometimes the word you need is telling you to get to the place you need to get to to get what you need. Sometimes you don't know what house to go to. And you need direction to get you to the potter's house. He said, I want you to go, I want you to go down. <laughs> Is that what he says? He says, I, I want you to go down. Down to the potter's house. He didn't say just go to the potter's house. Go down. Some historians say literally where this place was, was in the lower part of the city. But metaphorically, it speaks to the fact that God speaks to you on his terms. It's like sometimes you're not getting the direction that you need because you're not low enough. You know, you don't have that dependence on me. You know. I need you to get, I need you to get low. Will you remember there are variables that you can't account for? That as thorough as you are in your planning, there are things you will experience and encounter that you did not take into consideration. Stay low. Because you need my direction. 
I know you're used to fixing everything, but you, don't, you can't fix everything. Stay low. Come to me. Let me show you how to fix it. He says, I, I, want, I, want, I, want, I want you to go down, <laughs> down to the potter's house. And then this is what's crazy. The text says that when Jeremiah goes down to the potter's house, it says in verse 3, it says, he says, I saw him working at the wheel. Now watch this. The potter didn't start working when Jeremiah got there. The potter was already working even though he couldn't see it. And I want to tell, tell somebody today that he's working even when you can't see it. Even when it doesn't look like he's doing anything, he's doing something. Even when it doesn't like, look like he's fixing it, he's fixing it. He says, I saw him working at the wheel, but the pot he was shaping. He's shaping. Speaking of God's creative ability. I know you know God is a creator, but you also need to know he's creative. He's getting ready to get creative with you. <laughs> Jeremiah sees the potter working at the clay. The text says the clay was marred in his hands. Marred means impaired or blemished. But it was still in his hands. I'm going to read to you what the NLT says. It says, but the jar he was making did not turn out as he hoped. So he crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. He crushed it into a lump of clay again and, and started over. He crushed it into a lump of clay again and started over. I want you to see this. The potter never changed the clay. It didn't turn out the way. He didn't throw the clay away. He didn't say, I need new clay to do a new thing. He says, I'm going to take this same marred and messed up clay and I'm going to do a new thing. Because I want you to catch this. He said, what I want to be is I want to be not just your director, but your developer. Now watch this. I, I'm, I'm going to just stop right here because we got we to gotta close out. Here it is. This is where the presence is so frequently mismanaged. Because God's saying, this is really what I want to do in revival. I want to do something again. He crushed the clay, started over, made it again. It's because he wants us not, I don't want you to just experience my presence. I want you to evolve because of it. And the Holy Spirit said to me, Darius, revival can't just be about spirited services. I'm trying to shape the saints. It's stuff I'm trying to shape in them permanently let me give you one more he says you're underutilizing me because I want to be your director <clears throat> I want to help you with great decisions I want to be your developer I want to use seasons and circumstances to shape you into a version of yourself that's prepared for 
what's, it, what's ahead of you. I'm doing this, uh, this training, this boot camp I'm starting tonight. It's on purpose and profit. And one of the things I'm sharing, here's my point. One of the things I'm sharing is, is this. Most people know what they want, Alex, but they don't know who they need to become to get it. Because what you want requires a certain kind of person. And God's like, I know what you want. And I know who you need to be to become that. So some of the stuff I crush you in that you don't want is actually making you into who you need to be so that you can have what you really want. Lord, why am I going through the crushing? Because I'm giving you what you want. Why is my ego crushed? Because I'm giving you what you want. Why is my hope crushed? Because I'm giving you what you want. You don't want the crushing, but I'm using the crushing to do some shaping to make you into the person that can have what you want. He says, so I start speaking to you about little habits that you don't even, be, you don't even think of big deals. So I'm going to start speaking to you about that stuff. And when I do, I'm speaking prophetically. Because it, it, it hadn't affected you negatively in previous seasons, but where you're getting ready to go, you got to kill that. So I, start, I, so I start prophetically whispering in your ear. Get more discipline now. All of a sudden, you're just, you start having these epiphanies. I need to be more disciplined. And it's not because you're undisciplined, it's because where you're getting ready to go requires another level of that thing. But you don't know what the next level requires because you hadn't been there. God does. So he talks to you about a thing you need before you get to the level where you need it. I'm done. Am I making sense? He says, you un you, you're underutilizing me. He says, so that thing not destroying you right now, you don't take it serious. When I start talking to you about discipline, you don't take that serious. When I start talking to you about bringing order to your life, when I start talking to you, all right, stop, cut that relationship off. When I start talking to you about that, you don't take it serious because you're underutilizing me. And number three, he wants to be your director. He wants to be your developer. Number three, he wants to be dunamis. That's a Greek word. And it means power. Etymologically, it's got some roots with the word dynamite. God said explosive. <laughs> he says, I want to give you dunamis. I want to give you ability. Power. Ability. Power. Ability. Got me? Ability you didn't have without me. I'm done. Somebody bring me a chair. We only got five minutes before they cut us off there. I don't want to sit on this stage. It might, uh, I might not be in the shot. How are you carrying all you carrying without some power? It's too much. You can't do this by yourself. So while we had an amazing and exciting and exuberant experience in the presence of God, I want y'all to catch this. Don't miss the point. The point is not the excitement. That's not the point. Don't miss the scream. Don't, the, the point is not the screams. 
the, the point's not the enthusiasm. That's not the point. God's like, I want to use this revival to give you a reminder that you can't do this without me. I'm trying to revive your dependency. Not on the Father, not on the Son, but on the Holy Spirit too. So I saw how this service went in. There were a lot of exciting exits I could have took. But this morning as I was praying over this service, I felt like the Holy Spirit prompted my heart with this thought, you're going to be an usher today, Darius. That when people think revival, they think spirited, not spiritual. They think blow the roof off. And sometimes God does that. But what he wants to do for you today is not excitement because it doesn't work and it doesn't last. I don't want church theater. I want what works. And so right now, I just want to be your usher. And I'm escorting you to the throne where you need to I want to be revived you need to recommit some of us need to repent and repent simply means you turn it doesn't mean you in, always in sin but it means you've been doing things or you've been going about something the wrong way and you got a revelation of it and you're committing to fix it immediately a u-turn lord i want to repent because i've been trying to do too much of this without you and that's why i'm stressed and that's why i'm overwhelmed that's why i'm burdened i'm dry i'm dry i'm i'm lukewarm and you meant what you said. You'd rather I be hot or cold. If I'm lukewarm, you spit me out. God, I'm not on fire anymore. But you're doing something in my heart because I had to get to this revival this morning. So right now, we're not screaming because some of you hide in the screams no hiding here we're going to sit with him and he's going to sit with us right where you are if you need to repent, repent if you need to recommit recommit but the Lord is in his holy temple let all the earth keep silent before him I'm going to pray a benediction over the service to release those that are that are online but we're not done in here until God's done until he's done with you I'm going to pray a benediction over not just online but benediction over you in here for those of you who say pastor you know I need to go or I feel like I'm done but for those who say I need it I need a moment with the father I need to recommit to the spirit. We're going to give you some time to do that. God's up to something. Amen. Thank you for being here today. Excited about next week. God's doing some incredible things. We're going all white. September 18th. We're going to celebrate our church anniversary. We're excited about that. God's going to get the glory. Amen. May the Lord bless and keep you, cause his face of favor to shine up on you. May he be gracious to you. May he protect you. May he provide for you. And above all else, may he grant you peace. This is my prayer for your life in Jesus' name. Amen.